Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to a new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Mr. Scott Reynolds. Hello, hello. And John Ledyard. Great to be with you, Mark, especially after a third time in a row, Bucks victory. I'm feeling great about it. You're definitely the good luck charm, John. Uh, as we <laughs> talked about on Thursday, we got rid of Trevor. Things have really yeah. turned around. Now, the earth itself has flipped completely upside down since Trevor moved to Charlotte. But for Buccaneer fans, they'll take that <laughs> with a 3-1 and one record at this point. Hey, not just Buccaneer fans. How about uh, Bolts fans, too? What, what is that? Scott, Scott representing. I, I'm representing the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning here. You realize it's 98 degrees outside and you're wearing a, a, a hockey sweatshirt. Well, I'm just saying I got my Victor Hedman jersey on. The aside aside from the Buccaneers winning this week, the Tampa Bay Lightning won, and they were at Raymond James Stadium today. So mm-hmm. I think the Bolts brought the Bucks some good luck in that 38-31 win. And you almost got to touch the cup. I did. I was within ten feet of Victor Hedman and the cup. And uh, and, and the funny thing is, what the video didn't see because I tweeted that out. What the video didn't show was Victor. His arms were getting really tired. He was carrying the cup around all day. He's the biggest lightning player, so he gets that that job. So as we're walking out of the tunnel, he says, hey, man, my arms are sore. Can you carry this to the car for me? So don't have it on video, but I carry the Stanley Cup out to Victor Hedman's car and then sign autographs with the lightning players. So it was pretty cool. Well, well we know that's not true. I was going to say, there's, we know that's not true, Scott, because I don't know that you can lift the cup. Isn't it like 85 pounds or something like Actually, that? Guys, I'm sorry. That was actually a daydream I had. So, oh, um, okay. but, but I'll tell you hey, what. You know what wasn't a daydream? Yeah, the Buccaneers came back from a 17-point deficit, John. Yes, and what a game it was. I mean, even in the first half, didn't it? It felt so much like Bucks losses that you guys especially have seen in the past. And just the disappointment in the play and the offense looked sluggish. And I couldn't believe the defensive lapses and concentration that we were seeing throughout the game. It seemed like a team that was sleepwalking really even even when they haven't played well they've played really hard and aggressive especially on defense over the past couple of weeks and this did not look like that in the first half pass rush was non-existent i know the play action slowed them down some but it was a really disappointing first half until the fateful moment where the chargers decided they were going to run out the first half clock but not kneel the ball i don't understand it and the decision cost them big well, they were they were going to run a draw play there, hope to pop it for fifteen or twenty yards, and then call a timeout and try and move down and field. You know, that's what coaches do. They they play scared, but they want to be just aggressive enough that they don't get criticism. Scott and I used to really hammer Lovey Smith because he was king of sitting on the ball no matter where they were on the field inside of two minutes. But listen, when you're backed up inside your ten yard line and you've got the lead that they had. Uh, at that point, I, I think that was foolish. I don't think any Chargers fan would have been upset at all had mm-hmm. Herbert just kneeled right there and just ran out the clock and, and went to halftime with the big lead. But uh, that was a huge turning moment and a huge turning point in this football game. The Buccaneers were able to convert that into a touchdown, and now it becomes – what was it then at that point? It was a 10-point game. At that point, game. it was 20, 24-14, yeah, after right. that, and then it didn't take long. Brady in the second half, oh, my – I mean, to me, the thought that kept going through my mind over and over again, and, Scott, I know – You've been covering the team longer than any of us, so, I mean, you're going to have the best perspective on this. But the thought that kept going through my mind over and over again in the second half was that this team just has a quarterback, not just a guy who can do it once or twice, but a guy who can rebound from a 4 or 14 stretch, some of which was not his fault in the first half. And in that second half, I mean, Brady was 
unbelievable in that second half. 15 of 17 passing, I believe, 200-some yards, three touchdowns. One of those incompletions was a drop. I mean, he was just absolutely on fire in that second half. It was it was something to watch, you know, when, when it comes to this Bucks team because it's not something you've yeah. always seen before. It really was. And, John, let's just go through some of these statistics here. Tom Brady, five touchdown passes, completed a touchdown to five different receivers. Started off with Cam Bray. And we saw O.J. Howard uh, catch a touchdown before losing uh, O.J. for the rest of the year. Really tough Achilles injury. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Scotty Miller got his first touchdown uh, pass from Tom Brady. Keyshawn Vaughn caught his first NFL touchdown today. That was uh, from, from Tom Brady. Mike Evans had a touchdown. Uh, really valiant effort from him. Uh, kind of gaming it out on, on a, a twisted ankle. Mm-hmm. Came up with, with 100 yards. But let's let's just really pause on Brady for a second. You mentioned the Bucks finally have a quarterback, and they do, John. Five touchdown passes. That ties him with guys like Steve DeBerg, Josh Freeman, Brad Johnson, Jameis Winston for the single-game Buccaneers record. Brady also became the all-time winningest NFL player. He was tied with Adam Vinatieri with 221 victories. He got victory number 222 today, so he is atop the NFL record books with that. Most passing games uh, with 300 yards and five touchdowns. He's tied now for second place with Peyton Manning and just two behind Drew Brees. Both Brady and Manning have seven touchdowns, or I should say seven games with 300-yard passing and five touchdowns in a game. Drew Brees has nine of those contests. The most career passing games uh, going over 300 yards in NFL history, Drew Brees is atop that, 121. Brady now tied with Peyton Manning again, 93. Most comeback wins by a quarterback with a 10-point deficit in NFL history. Tom Brady is alone in that category. He had another one on to the the record books today, 34 for him. Uh, Peyton Manning is is a distant second with 26. And then most passing touchdowns through four games in NFL history. Believe it or not, Ryan Fitzpatrick had that record here in Tampa Bay starting those three games for Jameis Winston. Uh, He had 11, and Brady tied that today with 11 touchdown passes in his first four games in uh, in a Buccaneers uniform. So uh, it's an incredible start to Brady's Buccaneer career, and they're 3-1 and right now heading into a Thursday night game against the Chicago Bears. But let's just keep talking about this offense, Mark. Wait, wait, wait. Are we we just going to forget about the pick six? Come on, guys. Yes, Come we on. are. I mean, I am. <laughs> that's that's two this year. It's just inexcusable. I mean, the Buccaneer fans are not used to pick sixes. I don't know what Brady's bringing from New England, but I don't like it at all. Just but, all right, but, but you know what, though? And we've yeah. seen this. I think Buccaneer fans would agree here. We've seen pick sixes from Trent Dilfer. We've seen them from Josh Freeman. We've seen them from Jameis Winston. And we've seen yeah. those quarterbacks in yesteryear spiral and just, oh, just sure. go down the tubes after that. Right. And Brady just shrugged it off like it's nobody's business and kept dealing. And I'm not yeah. just talking about touchdown passes. You know, Mark, John. Can, we're can talking, we rip that play out of the playbook, though? Can we, that? That, can we rip that play out of the playbook, set it on you fire mean, at midfield? That's you mean twice. the out to Justin Watson? Yeah, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But, guys, <laughs> a, pair, a pair of 40-yard bombs, dimes to Scotty Miller and, and then to Mike Evans. So let's just talk about, about yeah. those two guys, Evans and Miller, and, and the days they had with the Bucks playing without Chris Godwin and without Leonard Fournette, they were down some weapons, but those guys stepped out. 
I thought Mike Evans was unbelievable. I mean, I thought the ability for him to come back in that game and gut it out, they would have been in trouble, I think, if he hadn't been able to play. And yeah, he came play. back, he gutted it out. I mean, and, and I know like he had some penalties in the game, and I don't, you know, he had the kind of the, the drop on right before the penalty. I know it was a little bit contested, but at the same time, for him to bounce back, make those plays down the field on the football, just such good ball skills. And I think what it showed, that throw and the one to Gronk especially and the one to O.J. Howard last week, it just showed Brady's trusting these guys more in one-on-one situations where they're covered, where the window's tight. And that was not there maybe early in the season, I think the first week or two. But I think the last couple of weeks you're seeing that more and more. In the second half, I just thought he let it rip. I mean, the throw to Evans was kind of like a weird play the whole way. Like the cornerback was so far ahead of it, but it never seemed like he knew where the ball was. And he didn't really underthrow Evans, but he kind of wanted to underthrow him because the corner was like leading him down the field. So it was a very kind of unusual play, but Evan, you know, he just threw it up. It was like, we got to, what was it, second and 20? We got to make a play. Like, if we're going to convert this, we got to give a guy a shot down the field. And if they pick it off, it's an arm punt. And I was just a smart decision. The Gronk throw was unbelievable. Put it right there, and Gronk took it away. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought that just the trust between Brady and his receivers that's getting established, really encouraging to see. And, and Mark, uh, we've, we've seen Mike Evans, you know, you've, you've been – um, on the Bucks beat for over 10 years now. You've you've seen every single game Mike Evans has played in. It's no surprise this guy comes back from that ankle injury, right? No, he's he's as tough as they come. And and I tell you, we won't get into who because it doesn't matter. But you know, there was some banter back and forth on Twitter about Mike Evans getting that penalty. We've seen him. He's a hothead. He's been a hothead since he's been in the league. I think he's done much better than his first couple years in the league as far as drawing those penalties. Sometimes that's what gets Mike Evans fired up. You know what I mean? Sometimes that gets the team fired up. It's when you take those penalties. It was fourth down. It was a dead ball foul. It didn't hurt the football team whatsoever to go 15 yards back. Now, had he completed the first down or, you know, had had it been a third down and, and or it happened, you know, during a play during the it wasn't a dead ball foul then you could get upset a little bit more. But, I, you know, that's just Mike Evans. Whatever helps fuel his competitive juices and makes him the sixth, you know, 1,000-yard-in-a-row receiver, I got no problem with with Mike Evans. Really, it's, it's almost like a coach getting a technical, right, just to get his yeah. guys fired up, right, like a basketball yeah. getting a tee, you know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Evans uh, really, I, I thought, was was an absolute gamer today and and they needed him because it seemed like when he was out for that series going in and getting his ankle taped up the bucks were just misfiring a little bit yeah. offensively and and we, we've seen this team come out and just own the first quarter i mean they outscored opponents 31 to nothing coming into this game then the bucks get a touchdown right off the, the bat with that opening drive they go up 38 to nothing in the first quarter through these four games and all of a sudden bam you know the Chargers get on the board. Justin Herbert looks like he's the real deal and was dealing with a couple of, of big-time throws today. And all of a sudden, the Buccaneers are down 14-7 in the first quarter, and the Buccaneers were in some uncharted territory. Usually, they're the, they've been the bullies in the first quarter, and they were kind of getting bullied at home. That continued throughout the first half until Indomitian Sue came up with that, that big force fumble, gave Mike Evans the chance to uh, – to get his first touchdown of the day, only touchdown. But guys, how about Tom Brady on third down? I think he saw that opening down there at the six-yard line. He saw mm-hmm. the, the the parting of the offensive line, thought about running it in, mm-hmm. was running to his right, looks across his body to the left, sees Mike mm-hmm. Evans open, and zips a pass in there. What what a, a great 
uh, display of vision by Brady. I don't know that, that Tom at age 43 can go six yards and make that touchdown on a scramble. So uh, wise play by the veteran to, to give Mike Evans a shot. And, yeah, and I don't really, know that he I mean, would have survived if he would have tried because <laughs> the Chargers were popping. I mean, so were the Buccaneers. This yeah. was one of the hardest hitting games I've seen from both defenses. But the Chargers, I mean, they were not playing like a team that was down 11 starters across the board. Uh, right. They came into this with an attitude with a chip on their shoulder. And, uh, and you know, we saw it by the amount of injuries in that game. There was a lot of guys right. knocked out really on both sides. But uh, I, I think Brady could have possibly died if he would have tried to run for that six yard. <laughs> the thing, Scott, and you didn't see this because you were actually at the stadium, but Mike Evans, as he's running across, he pointed up like he used to do with Jameis or we yeah. see in, in, in training yeah, camp drills right. all the time. So so they are Boy. starting to figure out that chemistry that we've been talking that they needed to develop over the first mm -hmm. three games. You know, they're starting to do that. Mike is starting to trust Tom, and, and Tom is certainly, you know, tr learning to trust Mike Evans. Mike has five touchdowns. He came into the game with four, which was tied for the NFL lead. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if somebody had three or four today, but I suspect he's still going to be up there, uh, right. at least top three in touchdowns after today. And the under-discussed part of this game was the offensive line. I mean, just erased the charge. I mean, Brady was hardly touched all yeah. day. You know, he just had tons of time to throw. The play action certainly helped things, and much credit to Byron Leftwich for going that heavily in this game, I thought. And I just thought the offensive line – I mean, did Joey Bosa play in this – I mean, it didn't feel like he played. I literally he forgot had, about the guy. I forgot about Joey Bosa. Yeah. He had one assist and one quarterback pressure. That was it for the entire game. Yeah. Um, Tristan Wirfs, I wrote about it in the most impressive. He's four for four guys, four games, zero sacks given up. And think about the guys he's went up against Joey Bosa, yeah. Cameron Jordan. Uh, who did he go up against last week with uh, Bradley Burns Chubb? And last Bradley Chubb. And Brian yeah. Burns. I mean, those are four yeah. damn good pass rushers. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not expect this from Tristan Wirfs, to be honest with you. And, and as much as I love DeMar Dotson, the Buccaneers made a wise, wise move to make this yeah. switch because he right. – and, and another thing, Scott, you noticed this as well. They run the ball better on the right side than they do going left. Surprisingly, yeah, at times, they, they tend to run to the left a little bit better. I don't know if that's because teams are expecting them to run more towards the left behind Donovan and Ali Marpet, but uh, but Wirfs and, and Kappa and Jensen is, have, have done a really good job. Now, they're giving Wirfs a little bit of help from time to time by putting Gronkowski out there or O.J. Howard before his injury, which helps a little bit in the running game, but but those guys uh, those those guys played tremendous today. They well, really did. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about Rojo. I mean, he really stepped up today uh, in, in a game where the, the Bucks didn't have Leonard Fournette to split carry with, and we saw LaShawn McCoy – ankle uh, injury early on. He was able to, to fight through it a little bit and then was out for the game. And then, then uh, uh, Kenyon Varner, the return guy, really the fourth running back on the roster. One snap. <laughs> yeah. It was a painful one, John. Yeah. He got that with a concussion. Could and, you hear uh, that pop in the stadium, Scott? Because on my TV, yeah. it exploded. I mean, it was loud. Yeah. Like, I thought he got his helmet broken. Well, I think I think Barner would agree with you. I think that he was wondering if the helmet was broken too. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that, that was a big time hit. So the Buccaneers really down to two running backs. Yeah, for the better part of this game, and you know Rojo really had to carry. They and came through with a big twenty-three yard run, averaged uh, over five yards a carry, one hundred and eleven yards rushing, which was an all-time high for him. His second one hundred-yard game came at a very good time. It really allowed the Buccaneers. Uh, and Tom Brady to to use play action to use it effectively. I know you don't necessarily have to have an effective running game to use play action because the linebackers have to read their keys anyways. 
but it certainly was effective today. It was a nice one-two punch with Brady and Rojo um, having some yeah. balance. And this this offense can run the ball. We saw a lot of those runs off the right-hand side behind Kappa. And um, and I thought Ryan Jensen played pretty well and also Werfs. So, uh, you know, hats off to Rojo. Did have a couple drops in, in the, uh, the receiving game. He's not quite the sure-handed guy that you want out of the backfield. But um, – he, he just up. can't catch. He just can't catch. Yeah. And, and and trying to make trying to fit that round peg in the square hole or whatever it is, he just doesn't catch the ball. He's never going to be a great receiver out of the backfield. But he was forced to play a lot of snaps today because they were mm-hmm. down to just two healthy running backs at that point. Uh, you know, what's the first thing that goes when you're tired? You know what I mean? Basic mechanics, right? And and yeah. catching the ball is a mechanical type thing and concentration. So um I, I, I don't fault him at all. Both two, there was actually two of those passes that um I know one for sure on the sideline that, that might have been a half yard loss had he caught the ball. Yeah. Uh sometimes sometimes drops or incompletions are better than completions. But uh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. really what you're saying is it's not a sure bet to throw to Ronald Jones. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. You know, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. But um, today he caught six out of nine, so that's a 66.6666666% proposition. I just don't know if I could have found a prop bet for that. I, I should have probably looked around a little bit, but I wasn't sure where to go if, if I thought about it, Scott. Well, you know where to go, Mark. It's it's mybookie.ag, right? That's the oh. place to go. Folks, listen, I've been cleaning up on my bookie. I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just brag for a second. I won <laughs> 70 bucks on my guys, Kansas State over OU on the money line last Saturday. I won 25 bucks on the Bucks broncos game last Sunday. I won $36 on the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup on Monday. On Tuesday during the Trump-Biden debate, they had prop bets. I won $15 on the debate. So you're talking prop bets. They got prop bets for everything. I won $50 yesterday on the money line with Tulsa. I bet the Iowa State line, $16 winner. I've won over $200 over the past eight days on my bookie. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the NFL is back and the NBA playoffs are in full swing. It can only mean one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I got a gut feeling about a matchup. Sometimes I'm just betting on my team, like Kansas State. My team, regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With the biggest online selection of bets and fun prop bets, they've made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash. Right now, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest in your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment. 10 bucks to win thousands? Sign me up. You can sign up too at MyBookie. Just use the promo code Pewter to claim your 100% deposit match all the way to $1,000. That means you put 100 bucks in for initial initial deposit by using promo code Pewter, and they're going to double it and give you $100. It's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll up to $1,000. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, they got it all on tap. It's never too late to get started in winning season which is at mybookie.ag. Well, I, had a quick I think thought I know before where to go we, now. Before we move on to the secondary, can I add one quick thought? Sure. 
I think I know we're going to see a bunch of quarterly reports out there by all these writers who, who watch the whole league and everything, but I watch a lot of football and I think there is no way that Tristan Wirth should not be getting consideration. I know he won't win it. Yeah. I know, I know that full well. I think there's no way he shouldn't be considered being getting consideration for offensive rookie of the year. We need, first of all, offensive linemen deserve more consideration for it. John, you got yeah. like 40,000 Twitter followers. <laughs> I mean, I plan to this week, when I that tape. So. but yeah, I'm telling you, I mean, he has been that good and against elite competition. It's not like, I mean, there'll be competition. Certainly. And like I said, I know he won't win the award, but we, we need to start talking about with offensive linemen in general. And I think Jets yeah. people should be campaigning for Mekhi Becton and, and Browns people for Jedrick Wills as well. But it is so rare to see three tackles from a rookie class come out and play this well right away. And Worfs has done it against top competition, which is why I think he deserves a lot of, of hype for that. So that's all I'll add to the offensive line discussion. Well, Let's well, talk well, about guys, Go ahead, guys, We're talking about awards, right? Now, the Buccaneers, they just had Levante David win the – the NFL, or I should say, NFC Defensive Player of the Month, right? Mm. And we saw Antoine Winfield Jr. win the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month. Then we right. saw Shaq Barrett win the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Did the awards go to this young Buccaneer team's head, you think? Because this defense today against a rookie quarterback making his third start did not look at, it at all like the Bucs defense we saw against Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina two weeks ago or mm-hmm. against Jeff Driscoll and, and Brett Rippon in yeah. Denver. What happened? It, 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 it didn't go to Levante David's head, because, although he won the biggest award, the player of the month, because he was the best defensive player on the field for both teams yeah, today. Yeah. I mean, this guy, this guy, I jokingly wrote uh, that he's he, he dug into Tom Brady's TB12, you know, youthful invigoration stash because uh, – he was like Levante David of five or six years ago. Not that we've ever really seen any major drop off at all from this guy, but yeah. he was playing like he did in 2013 when Shiana was here, Scott. It was, you know, he yeah. was just all over the field. And, 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 um, so that it didn't go to his head. Maybe as a team, I thought about that early when they were down 21 7. I said, now, you know, is this, you know, maybe as a team, maybe they were reading the press clippings a little bit too much, reading that the, the Chargers were banged up. Well, you know who the favorites in the game were, and then I started thinking too. I think the Chargers' offensive coordinator called a brilliant game yeah. in that first half, in particular, to take advantage of an aggressive front seven by the Buccaneers. They screened yeah. them, got rid of the ball quickly, a little RPO action from Justin Herbert. I think, I think from a coaching perspective, the uh, the the Chargers certainly outcoached the Buccaneers' offensive coaches. Uh, maybe Todd Bowles a little bit too, but but I would I would give them the nod in the first half. Well, I think one of the big things was in this game, it was a very weird game to evaluate a defense by. You have the first drive, what, four plays, fine, really, and then you hit the deep shot. Jordan Whitehead yeah. burned in coverage. We've talked about how that can be an issue for this team. That shouldn't be surprising to anyone. When he's in the back end in coverage, they're susceptible to those big plays. So it's kind of one of those, okay, you got him there, but we got to, we'll get a scheme around it, get him out of those situations as much as we can. Bucks have some concerns when they're in two high shells. That's a concern moving forward. But are they going to be able to do that all game? And then there was the 97-yard drive, which only pass in the whole drive, I think, that was over. And they didn't run the ball in the drive either. Only pass in the whole drive that was over like two yards in the air was the touchdown, the 19-yard touchdown to Parham, uh, which, which Murphy Bunning has the coverage, and he has to turn around and play the football. Big issue for him. But that drive, it was just like all these little short passes, and then the penalties, obviously, the 15-yarder on Whitehead and the big – Pass interference penalty on Carl Davis that I thought was complete, yeah, completely was not crap. there at all. Yeah, it was crap. Right. And Veda Vea got held 
clear as day. I mean, I'll show yes. it on the, on the when on my Twitter account, but it was clear as day. Jersey coming away. It's the kind that always gets called. Are you talking about called. on that on that first touchdown? Because he, I yeah, know he got I'm, held on that very first one, the the seventy two yard or whatever. So, it was. Yeah, absolutely. So, Almost pulled yeah, his jersey so, off. I'm screaming. Yeah. You know, you got to call that. Shaq Barrett got right. held two or three times. The the commentator yeah. said this this group of officials had called the least amount of holding calls in the NFL. Yeah. They announced that right before the game. I said, wow, that's not good yeah. for Shaq Barrett. But it was like one of these weird games in the secondary where you had the completion, the big completion at the beginning of the game on the whitehead. Then you had SMB uh, with that 19-yarder on the touchdown. And then you had the pick six, obviously, which wasn't on the defense. Right. But it seemed like whenever the Chargers had the ball, then the second half they come out. And again, it's a three-play drive or whatever, but it's a 72-yard touchdown pass. And Sean Murphy bunting gets burned again. That was the only points they had in the second half. They carried a lot of weight with us, I think. But that was the only points they had in the second half. So a great job by the end of the game, I think, adjusting and taking the – I mean, they, they were, and the Chargers really didn't move the ball or that big drive in the second. Right. I mean, that was it. It wasn't like yep. they drove down and couldn't score. So it was a weird game defensively, but I do think that those coverage gaps, I mean, they have to be able to – no way Sean Murphy Bunting should be getting beat by Jalen Guyton on well, that well, second, well, on well, that well, last well, touchdown. Well, it's, it's, it's not just him, all right? Tyron Johnson had a 53-yard touchdown. Practice squatter. I've never heard of the guy. I'm gonna be honest. Okay, <laughs> Donald Parham Jr. 19 yard touchdown pass. Practice right, squatter. <laughs> okay, and then Jalen Guyton. So listen, I, I'm not down on the Buccaneers secondary. I like Sean Murphy Bunting, and let's let's keep in mind he played today. Not 100, mm -hmm. right? He missed a lot of time um, in the second half of last week's game. He he injured the hamstring and the groin and was limited in practice. He played. He's out there. He's got a uniform on. He's got to play. I get it. Uh, but going to give him a little bit of a pass. But I'll just say this. This was a nice, humbling wake-up call, I think, for a very young mm -hmm. secondary. I'm not saying they're getting full of themselves. But I'm just saying it's it's a nice, humbling moment when, when guys like Tyron Johnson, Donald Parham Jr., and Jalen Guyton light you up for three touchdowns and a rookie quarterback completes 80% of his passes yeah. for three touchdowns. It's it's just it's great that as Bruce Arian says, it's always better to learn lessons from a win than a loss, right? The Buccaneers have won three games in a row and are three and one. But I just think this is a nice wake up call for this young secondary who wants to be great and I think has the potential to in time with more experience, but they're right. not there yet. And today was a prime example of that. Right. John, but here's the good point that Mark brought up. Coverage gaps. And Michael Belt. Michael Belt agrees with you as oh. he as he's as he's watching the show. Defensive Player of the Year, Levante David. He was a redeeming quality for that defense today. What a play! I think one of the most underrated plays in the game was that third down and nine. I think, yeah. and they threw Where the eight yard pass. Yep, and he, he came up with and, SMB. Yep, yep, and he came up and is that running back was in the air trying to fly toward that marker. He just knocked him straight down. I mean, it was just a great. Hustle play and kind of a midair spear, just an awesome play by by a great player yeah. who's like finally getting national recognition. And another play, let's let's not forget it was Sean Murphy Bunting getting a piece of Austin Eckler, then Levante David coming and wrapping him up, and then Ant Antoine Winfield mm -hmm. lowering the boom on Austin Eckler. Guys, this is a different game if Austin Eckler is is not knocked out. I'm not saying the Buccaneers lose because mm -hmm. they I will. Him. What's that? I will because they're not going to fumble. They're not going to hand the ball to uh, a walk-on kid from UCAA. Yeah. 
you yeah. know, UCLA right there. I mean, I, I think they do lose if Eckler doesn't yeah, leave the game. They, they very well could, right? Because uh, when you look at, at the, the Chargers' weapons without Mike Williams, I mean, Austin Eckler, is, it's Keenan Allen, and then it's mm. Austin Eckler, and then it's it's uh, uh, the, the tight Hunter end. Henry, yeah. Hunter Henry. Um, so, yeah, it, that, that was a big blow. It's it's one yeah. thing to lose Sean McCoy to an injury, right? Um but I, I, losing Austin Eckler was big, and Levante David was in on that play. Sure, that that helped uh, yeah. get Austin out of the game. Hey, well, you know, that's, earlier, that's the funny John, thing. If you, John, you mentioned. You say, uh, I said you 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 mentioned earlier some coverage gaps, which yeah. made me think a little bit, thinking that you know, guys, just because we had a little cool down last week doesn't mean hurricane season is gone. Hurricane season is going to last until the end of this month, actually end of November. And you need to be covered. There's some disturbances down in the uh, tropics right now that meteorologists are taking a look at. You want to make sure that you don't have any gaps in your coverage in case there is a storm, uh, whether it be a hurricane, a tropical storm, maybe just some flooding. Briar Greaves Insurance in Tampa have been in business for over 30 years. Three generations, family-owned. They're an award-winning agency, but it's not just homeowners that they do. They'll also take care of uh, life insurance, health insurance, different types of insurance. They can do it all. Auto, boat, life, flood, commercial, Briar Greaves Insurance. Um, listen, they've done... They, they. You guys don't believe me when I say this. I'm going to get a picture and prove it to you. They actually insured Princess Diana's dresses when they traveled all the way from England. Where you and I were at, Scott. Who do they call? They call Briar Greaves to take care of it. This happened at an Atlantic City casino. Briar Greaves, whatever you think you might need insurance for, call Briar, call Sam, because they'll find you some line of insurance. And they've got multiple lines that they can check and compare prices, whether it is auto, home, life, commercial, flood, you name it. Even if you've got some dresses, Scott, that you need to uh, insure. I don't have any dresses I need to insure, Mark. Well, we don't know John very well, so in case John, you have any dresses? No, okay. I might want to insure this this Victor Hedman jersey. It's a. It's I, a I do have two daughters though, so you never. I mean, maybe in the future, yeah. you never know. My wife yeah, actually got me a bad idea. It's one of the best presents ever. So I might. Yeah, that's great. That's a great present. It wasn't How so about good this after one? last you year's guys, season. You guys have listen, covered this team for a long wait, time. Wait, wait, wait! I got to give the phone number. I got to give the oh, phone give number. John. Oh, tell them. Got to give the phone number. This is the most important part. 813-876-4166. 813-876-4166. Call Sam. Call Briar. Buccaneer fans, season ticket holders. They want to talk to you and uh, thank them for uh, being with us and being a sponsor on the Pewter Report podcast. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that you guys have covered this team for a long time and definitely covered it last year and know the team really well. And we heard Bruce Arians after the game said, we'd have got our asses beat by 20 last season. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's this is a situation, again, where this was like unfamiliar for the Bucs to be able to come back and be in this game yes. and win this game? I would say yes, and it goes back to your initial point, John. The Bucs have a quarterback. Um, and, and I'm not trying to like blame all this on Jameis Winston. Sure. Buccaneer fans, longtime Buccaneer fans. Mark and I certainly covered the Buccaneers for a long time. Trent Dilfer, Josh Freeman, Jameis mm -hmm. Winston to a degree. We've seen quarterbacks have the downward spiral after pick sixes, right? And 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 that just wasn't the case with Tom Brady today. And I think that we're, that we're seeing the belief that Tom Brady in that huddle, the intensity, the focus, it resonates. And right. we saw a bunch of players step up today. Uh, offensive line, as you mentioned, John, five different players caught touchdown passes. And um, I, I think right now we, we probably 
uh, talk a little bit about O.J. Howard. Folks, there's a reason why the Buccaneers didn't trade Cam Brate this offseason and why they have a $4.25 million third-string tight end on the roster. You know why? Because right now Cameron Brate is the $4.25 million second-string <laughs> right. tight end with O.J. Howard's injury. It's it's a big injury, isn't it, uh, Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's huge. And, you know, people all offseason, that might have been the most – question that I got during the Monday mailbag is, you know, what are the Bucks going to get for Cam Brate? When are they going to trade Cam Brate after they acquired Rob Gronkowski? And I kept saying, I don't know that they will. I mean, I get it, right? Do you want four and a half or $4.25 million sitting on the bench getting three or four snaps? You do today. You might yeah. not have the first three weeks, but you certainly do today. This team right. has not went a whole season without seeing tight ends get injured, whether it was Anthony Auclair last year with a foot injury, O.J. Howard the two years previously, both of those seasons ended with injuries. Uh, and we know Tom Brady likes to utilize the tight end. So to have as many of those weapons on the field is or on the on the roster is important. And well, it's good to see and- Cam get a touchdown today, but uh, yeah. he'll be more involved in the offense moving forward. And you mentioned Antino Claire. He's on injury reserve right now with the right. yeah. designation. He'll be back, but it, it'll be a couple weeks. So right now, Tanner Hudson has to step up as that right. third string tight end. And what, what, yeah, what really hurts is blocking. Like they love to block out of two tight end sets. And Cameron sure. Braid, you know, I know jared has been kind of a disappointing blocker before, but he was improved this season. And Cameron Braid is never in a blocker. It's just not right. what he does well. So how do they counteract that if Chris Godwin misses Thursday? You know, that's something. We need to think about too, like, is is that going to be something that continues to be an issue? You know, because he's a great blocker and they love to bring him in line and, and block him or bring him as a wing and block. And so it hurts some of that. I'm hoping that it leads them to run out of more spread formations because I think the defined space for running backs yeah. is a benefit. Like I'm thinking about myself back there running the ball. I'd like to be able to see space when I'm running right. forward rather than see these tight splits and Come eight on, guys Jonathan. in the box. Have you been <laughs> running into an eight-man box? That doesn't sound I mean. Maybe I just wrap it up and ram it. I I don't know, but I you know I I think that uh, that's going to be one of the keys. I think to to about this run game. You know, how does it continue to develop if those guys aren't contributing as blockers? How do they scheme around it? How do they change some things? Because that's a big part of what they do, and they're not going to have it to the degree with Bright that they even had with Howard this season. Well, the good news is their next opponent doesn't rush the passer very well. <laughs> is Worf's gonna yeah. actually go up against Khalil Mack? I mean, that's oh, just yeah. another yeah. murderer's row uh, guy that he's got to go up against. Man, so far yeah. so good for Worf's. You know, yeah. the, the one one interesting thing I want to see is without OJ Howard now, and and you saw Cam Brate being used as that move tight end as an H back, right, and and also being used as a fullback mm-hmm. in in a couple of those sets. So who's gonna take that role now? Those pages from the playbook scrapped because. If you're going to run two tight end sets, you would like to think that uh, that uh, with OJ being out, that you got to have Gronk as uh, you know as the inline tight end, and probably uh, you know Cam as well. Is that a role that, that Tanner Hudson can play? Are they better off staying with as much twelve personnel as they run uh, with Brait and Gronkowski now, or should they go three wide receivers? But without Chris Godwin, that's kind of not as nearly as effective with Justin Watson and Scotty Miller and, and Mike Evans. And then my last thought on, on this is we've seen players kind of, you know, use the adrenaline from a game to, to play through uh, an ankle sprain and then it swells up overnight. Mm -hmm. So uh, just because Mike Evans could play through this injury today with the adrenaline. And I just want to see, especially on a short week, what that ankle is going to look like 
tomorrow morning? And then is he going to be able to go on Thursday? Because uh, right now you'd like to think the Buccaneers can make it four wins in a row Mm -hmm. and take advantage of what is not a great Chicago Bears team. But without Chris Godwin, without O.J. Howard, and if they don't have Mike Evans on Thursday, I like Scotty Miller, but not as wide receiver number one. And (laughs) I like Cam Brate. But now all of a sudden he's tight end number two. So yeah, yeah. That I think the, you forget the Cyril defense Brady. has to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't forget Cyril. <laughs> Guys that can catch with their face are pretty, pretty valuable. He's got great hands. Bruce said. <laughs> I, you know. I'm you know what I think? Great hands. We Tyler Johnson played a decent amount today. I think and we'll check the snaps, but didn't didn't get a target. I don't I don't think unless no. I'm forgetting something. He's got to step up too. But really, guys, like I'm looking at this Bears offense. I mean, they scored 11 points today against the Colts. Lost first loss of the season somehow. They played. They beat three of the worst teams in the league, and it was close in all those games. And now they're got a quarterback change. I don't know if they'll change back. I'm not sure what's going to – Nick Foles threw a garbage time touchdown to Allen Robinson right at the end of the game, but they were stuck at three points like this whole game. Um, you know, this is a game where the Bucks defense has to get their mojo back to me to, in my mind. Like, don't think there were any injuries coming out defensively this game. There's no way they match up great with, with, the, with the Bears. Uh, everybody does because they don't do much well on offense. Uh, they have the type of guy that can take away Allen Robinson on the outside and Carlton Davis, who I think has gotten hosed by penalties and played really well this season. And Carlton um, Davis came up with another huge fourth-quarter yeah. interception. This guy's really becoming a closer. Yeah, okay, many easier ones than that. Yeah, <laughs> that one was. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not yeah, Scott, the you might that catch part. that one even with your broken finger. <laughs> it's not broken anymore, it's it's just uh permanent, permanently. permanently, permanently. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys know that I blocked a pun in high school? Have you heard that? Story? Oh, you know what? We 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 want to hear that story, but we're going to have to probably save that for next week, Scott, because oh, we're running okay. low on time. So, uh, okay. let, you know, remind us next week. Maybe we'll get to that story. Yeah, I'll make a note to talk about my punt block from high school, and I'll work that story in the next Peter Report podcast. You had your chance when Pat O'Connor had his big moment. You could have yeah. worked it into the pod. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see if it happens again. I know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll save that for the next podcast, Mark. Yeah. All righty. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, as you guys can see, we're not just audio. We're now video. And uh, we're going to be doing some more features with this where this is just kind of a test run of it right now. Uh, but uh, but but help spread the word. You'll be able to watch this on YouTube, on our other social media platforms. But what we really need you to do is go and subscribe to the right. Pewter Report YouTube channel. We need subscribers on that. So please go and subscribe. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to watch us. It just means you're a subscriber. We need subscribers. So go to Pewter Report. Just Google Pewter Report YouTube. You can find us and all you got to do is click the little bell or whatever it is to subscribe. And we would certainly appreciate that if you'll do that. Anything else, guys? Yeah, I was just going to say the shortcut is youtube.com backslash Pewter Report TV. Pewter Report TV. That'll take you right to the Pewter Report page where uh, we've got just around 600 subscribers. And we're going to be doing our Pewter Report podcast now. Yeah, we changed the name from Pewter Nation to Pewter Report. The Peter Report podcast will be featured on our YouTube channel. So uh, if you want to watch us live, you can do that uh, on YouTube or you can watch the replay of it. We're doing two podcasts during the season. Uh, We're going to do our next Peter Report podcast on Tuesday. Um, Time to be determined. We'll let you know on Twitter and Facebook and all those things. You can watch us live during that. But it's, it's a short week. The Buccaneers play on Thursday. So at some point in time on Tuesday, depending on what the Buccaneers media schedule is, we'll have our next 
Pewter Report podcast. And then probably early Friday morning, we'll come out with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, recapping the Bucks bears game from Thursday Night Football. Once we once we get enough sleep, because that's going to be a late night. Yes. Really indeed. late night. But the important thing, go to our Pewter Report page on YouTube, Pewter Report TV, and subscribe. And that way you can catch all of our live stream podcasts. And you can also watch the recaps uh, of those when we tape them. We'll put them on there and you can check those out. And I think what's cooking still on there, isn't it? Of course. Yes. You can yes. watch. Yes. You can watch the best of what's cooking. The FCC yes. didn't take them down. We're on yeah. there. Yeah. All right. All right. Great. Well, for John Ledyard, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Mark Cook saying we will see you on Tuesday with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.